Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community and NBA Podcast. I am your usual host, Anthony, and I think we're on episode 10, 9 or 10, I, I don't know, I've lost track at this point, <laughs> but today we got an interesting episode, so we're going to start off by talking a bit of the Raptors, so we're going to talk about one, their inconsistency as a team, and also we're going to grade Jeremy Lin, Marcus Saul. And we'll we'll just talk about how that bench unit is sort of forming together, and we'll talk a bit of Pat McCaw as well, just to kind of clear the air on some of the roster pickups we had after the trade deadline. And all right, so let's let's start with let's start with um, the Raptors' inconsistencies as of late. So today is March the tenth. The Raptors had just defeat. Miami Heat on our best shooting performance of the season, hitting 21 threes, which is a season high. And actually, that may be a franchise record also. But anyway, we're going to just talk about since February, the Raptors have played 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. And they've only lost three of the 14. So you're thinking, all right, 11 and 3, that's good. But the Raptors have shown this inconsistency, and I know a lot of Raptors fans will agree with me, because they'll go on a seven-game win streak to start February, then they'll lose. They'll lose three of five games. So they'll lose to Orlando. They'll be they'll destroy they destroy Boston. Then we beat Portland on a game-winning shot by Kawhi Leonard. Then we got closed out by Detroit in Detroit, and then we got smoked by Houston in a game I don't think we even had a chance. And then in the last two games, we won 127-104 and 125-104 against the New Orleans Pelicans and Miami Heat, respectively, both in their home territory. So the Miami game was a good win, was an amazing game. And so the Raptors have really shown this inconsistency in terms of multiple factors. So some of these factors include their three-point shooting, which is, I think, the biggest factor. At least that's the factor that's most prevalent and most obvious when you look at the stat sheet. But also, I think that there's this inherent incompatibility in the system that we run. And so I'm going to talk a bit about that right after we talk about three-point shooting. So pickups like Jeremy Lin and Pat McCall and Marcus All are all decent three-point shooters. These are guys that should help our shooting, but they haven't really fulfilled this role. I'll talk a bit about that later. So as a team, we need players like Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, essentially all of our starters, Kyle Lowry, of course, to be hitting their three-pointers at a consistent rate. We can't afford these inconsistencies come playoff time because inconsistent shooting can really make or break a game and thus a series. And given our track record, especially this season, of our inconsistencies shooting the three-ball, which is the most important part of our game. If we're hitting threes, we're undefeatable. Realistically, we're the, one of the best. They're probably the best team in the East and the second best team in the NBA when we're hitting our shots at a decent or above average cliff, which is not the case all the time. And so, even sometimes we'll actually beat teams when we're shooting bad. And so, if we can pick up our three point shooting and shoot on a more consistent level, then we will be a much better team. But just saying that isn't going to fix it. I also have to propose a way to change this. 
So I think that by implementing a new system, our team will have more open looks and thus will score, will hit our three balls more often. Especially on catch and shoot threes, which is what's most important to getting good three point looks and good scoring that way. So the way that I think we should implement a different system is by making a Kawhi based offense. So right now, our offense is essentially you have Kawhi Leonard getting you his 25 and then the rest of the team running a system offense, right? Kawhi Leonard is essentially an isolation scorer, a threat, but he doesn't average a lot of assists. So to put that in perspective, out of every player averaging above 25 points per game this season, Kawhi Leonard has the least number of assists out of all these players, which is really concerning, meaning... Our best player is not part of our system, which is a problem. And so to fix that problem, we got to run a Kawhi-based offense. Got to get the ball out of Lowry's hands a little bit more, not too much, but give it into Kawhi's hands, have him run the offense a lot of the time, especially on that starting unit, and have Lowry play off of Kawhi. Because at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard's our star, and we need him the ball in his hands so that he can create the offense. And then if he's getting more assists he'll be giving guys better open looks. But don't get me wrong, I still want the ball in Lowry's hands, of course. We still need him running the offense, especially the 1-5 pick and roll with with Serge Ibaka, which is one of our most efficient plays. That's something we need Lowry for, but we also need him for his shooting and scoring ability, which is what he can do if he plays off Kawhi Leonard, because Kawhi Leonard will draw a lot of double teams, and thus they'll make players especially in the playoffs, they'll make players like Lowry and Danny Green and Pascal Siakam hit the three to beat you. And so we got to give it into Lowry's hands and let him just let him fly. He's got to let him fly, and he will hit a good cliff of those, especially in the playoffs. Lowry's a dog. We know that. There's this, there's this incorrect connotation with him in terms of, like, his... For some reason, people think he's not clutch. And he's not a good playoff performer, but he actually is a great playoff performer and scorer and leader. And he plays with that dog and he will fight on defense. And so he's our engine, right? He's our Chris Paul on Houston. He's not our best player, but he could be our most important player. He's the Steph Curry on our team, right? He's not better than Durant. He's not better than Kawhi, but he will. He's the engine that can run our team, especially on both ends of the floor because he run he runs both ends of the floor essentially. He's our anchor, right? He's our guard. He's our point guard. He actually is our point guard. And so that even being true, I still think Kawhi should have the ball in his hands and run the offense more often. Okay, so that's enough of that. So let's grade Jeremy Lin, Marcus Saul, and Pat McCaw coming into the season, or in, at least let's say once they were implemented onto our team's offense. So we'll start with Mark Gasol, who has been playing... He has his ups and downs. He has games where he's played well, and he has games where he doesn't play well. And so, looking at the statistics, I'm not very happy with his stats, per se, but I think his stats aren't really the focal point of what he does. I don't think it's a good demonstration of what he actually represents for our team. So to put that in perspective... He's averaging 10 points, 6 rebounds, as well as 3.6 assists currently. 
on 48% shooting and 36% from three, taking only one a game and in 23 minutes. So Marcus Gasol is not getting a lot of minutes per se. He's only getting 23 minutes with the Raptors. Right, he's not playing as often as when he did as he did in Memphis. He is getting a little older, so I'm not sure where you want to run him. Uh, to put that in perspective, on Memphis, he was playing an extra 10 minutes a game, so obviously his stats are going to be more inflated, right? So on a per 36 basis, Marcus All is playing really good. I'm just going to give him a B because implementing him into the offense hasn't been a steady, hasn't been a steady situation. He's a great passer. He's a great big man. But I think he's a second unit player, and I think that this will play true because he's a playmaker, so he needs the ball in his hands, and plus he's a scorer, so he needs the ball in his hands even more. And you can't afford to have him the ball in his hands when you have Kawhi Leonard and Lowry on your starting unit. It's just not going to work with all that talent, right? So I think having Marcus on the second unit, or at least differing him with either Kawhi or Lowry or something of that nature... I don't think him and Lowry are going to play together well, but say if you have Gasol and Kawhi while Lowry rests and put Jeremy Lin in there or, Freddie, or Fred Van Vliet, that's a pretty good lineup, and I think that will work better. And so I think that it will take a bit of time for the Raptors to develop a means of implementing him into the offense and integrating him properly, but in due time he will be better. So for now I'm just going to give him a B. As for Jeremy Lin, he missed 17 straight threes starting for the Rap- playing for the Raptors. And I don't even I haven't seen him hit a three yet, so I don't know if he's hit one, but I'm assuming he has. Looks like he's hit one like a couple of them. He's ten percent from three since joining the Raptors in the eight games. And he averages seven points in twenty minutes, as well as two rebounds and three assists. So he's he's playing okay. I gave him a C. I'm not impressed so far with what I've seen. I was hoping for a little more from him. Especially as an off-the-bench player, that's kind of been his role. But he hasn't lived up to it so far. I'm going to obviously give him a pass because he's only played eight games, right? And I think he's a really valuable piece moving forward. But for now, I'm just going to give him a C and just say TBD, to be determined how he plays later on. will determine how many minutes he gets. I'll just say he's playing okay. Give him a C. And for Pat McCall, <clears throat> I'm going to give him an A- minus because... He's playing really, really good. He's an energy player, and he plays really hard on defense. And he's proved to me that he's actually going to be a valuable player moving into the playoffs. I'm impressed with what he's shown, at least over the last few weeks since we got him. And I think that moving forward, he's going to be a great piece, a good pickup, especially with that energy that he plays with, that defensive intensity. And he's fast. He's athletic. He's a great pickup, underrated for sure. Okay, so that's it for the Raptors segment. You can you can head out if you want. So, because <laughs> I'm just going to talk more about just the NBA, but I got a good topic for just NBA-based content. So I'm going to do my NBA awards prediction since we're about three, two-thirds through the NBA season, maybe three-quarters, I don't know, somewhere in there. But I'm just going to give you my award predictions right now because I think that the rest of the season doesn't matter that much. I think that it's already sort of set in stone who's going to win what awards, so I may as well give you who I think should win the awards. And this isn't necessarily based on an a logical thing. I think this is just my eye test and who I think deserves to win it and who I think has actually played 
according to such award, right? So the MVP is obviously most valuable player. You got rookie of the year. You got defensive player of the year. You got most improved player. And then we're going to also talk about coach of the year. So those are the the most important awards. Those are the ones we'll talk about. So let's start with the big topic, the MVP of the NBA 2018-2019 regular season is, drumroll please, James Harden. You might be surprised by that pick. (laughs) But I know a lot of people are thinking Giannis or Paul George, right? Both of those players who obviously could deserve MVP. No doubt in my mind. Both ends of the floor, they're better than James Harden. But offensively, neither of them are better than James Harden. And it's not even close. James Harden passes better than them. He scores better than them. He draws fouls better than them. He shoots threes better than them. Especially off the dribble threes, because that's essentially all he does. And averaging 36.6 points per game this season thus far, that's among some of the greatest to ever do it. Averaging above 35 points per game. There's not many people on that list. And it's crazy to think that he's doing that right now. And those 30, 31, 32 games, whatever it was, of 30-plus 30 30 points straight, that's ridiculous. It's just crazy how he's doing this. He is a beast. He deserves MVP. Don't care what you think. Sure, Paul George. Sure, Giannis. I know Harden's lower in the standings, but I don't give a fuck because he's playing so good. Don't matter to me. Now let's move on to Rookie of the Year. You're going to be surprised by this pick, too. Most people are thinking, oh, Luka Doncic, if not Luka, maybe Trey, maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Trey Young. Because I think that, at least lately, he's been balling out. He has shown that he's learned the point guard position in his rookie year. And he has so, been playing so good. He's been so such a great fantasy guy for me. And <laughs> he's been great. He's been getting me some money. He's good. He's a good. He's balls out. He plays good. He works hard. I know everyone thinks Luka Doncic should be rookie of the year because of the consistency factor, but I think that Trey Young has really shined when it counted, and he's really showing that he will persevere in the future moving forward in the NBA. Awesome. Well done. Hands down, my rookie of the year. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but fuck you. <laughs> so defensive player of the year. This is a tough choice because you got players like Kawhi Leonard who does it all on defense you got players like Rudy Gobert who has improved as a defender not just blocking shots which is his forte or his specialty but he's also more comfortable on switches on guards which is really good to see for him so you could make an argument for him as defensive player of the year but I'm choosing the defensive anchor on the best defensive team in the NBA, I'm picking my man Paul George, leading the NBA with 2.2 steals per game, and one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, gives your favorite player some trouble when he defends them, that's for sure. And Oklahoma City Thunder are the best defensive team in the NBA, and there's no team even close to them on defense, and thus... For Defensive Player of the Year, you have to think about the defensive anchor on that team, who is definitely Paul George, and there's no doubt about that. He's their best defender, and he's really, ever since he's gotten traded to Oklahoma City, he's kind of changed the mindset of this team into becoming the best defensive team, as opposed to, in recent years, 
being one of the best offensive teams, especially with Kevin Durant and Westbrook. And now Westbrook's bought into what Paul George does, which is two-way basketball. And this is a way that they can actually tap into going deep in the playoffs this season. And credit to Paul George, he deserves Defensive Player of the Year, no doubt in my mind. The next topic is so interesting because most improved player, there are a lot of candidates. A lot of people think of Pascal Siakam, De'Aaron Fox, and a lot of people think Sabonis. There are a lot of different players. I'm sorry if I missed some, but there are tons of players you could you could list for this. But I'm picking my man, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors, and I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. Actually, I'm going to give you one good reason why. He has made a leap in the following ways. He went from a bench player to a starter. He went from a bad three-point shooter to an average three-point shooter. He went from a bad playmaker to a decent playmaker. And he went from a decent defender to a really a good defender. And so he's made jumps in almost every facet of his game. But as he does this, he still rests on his laurels and he still plays with what got him where he is, which is high energy and fast pace. And that's really what impresses me the most, is he hasn't had to change who he is. He's just worked hard on his game, and he's prevailed as a result. And kudos to him. He's definitely my most improved player. There's no doubt in my mind. And I know De'Aaron Fox had a great, is having an amazing season. Don't get me wrong. He's leading the Kings to the playoffs, but... Pascal Siakam on the Raptors is what made them leap into the upper echelon of the NBA. Without Pascal Siakam, the Raptors would not be in that top tier in the NBA because he just gives he has so much value to the team as a starter and he has so many skills as a player that he's going to continue to build on moving into the playoffs in future years. But disregard future years this season from beginning to end, including last season, he is the most improved. He has improved so much, he deserves it. And he's also made the leap at kind of an unexpected time in his career, right? He's I think he's 25. You don't really expect it at an older age like that. Like, De'Aaron Fox made the second-year leap as a point guard in the NBA. That makes so much sense to me. That's something that a lot of players do. That's something Trey Young will do moving into next season and other first-year point guards. That's something that point guards do. It takes a while to learn it. There's usually a jump. But for Siakam, he's a power forward who just was on the bench. I don't think anyone expected this. So I think that the unexpected unexpected factor plus the all-around game improvement makes him the most improved player in the NBA. And lastly, we'll do coach of the year. This one was easy to me. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people are probably thinking Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets because somehow they're in the second seed, but I think they're really, really talented. And I think they're more talented than the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks have one superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then you got another all-star in Chris Middleton, and then a bunch of pieces. But I think that Mike Boonholzer's system is what really made this team thrive, especially with getting Brooke Lopez and Ursan Ilyasova as sort of stretch fives on this team, right, as centers that can shoot threes and space out the floor so that Giannis can do what he does in the middle. And if you double team him, he can throw it out to a player on the wing and they will hit that shot. And so you got to respect them and thus Giannis can dominate you in the paint. And for that reason, 
Budenhoser is my coach of the year. And that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about. It's that simple. If you think it's Mike Malone, that's fair. But I think that the integration of this new system and the Milwaukee Bucks being able to jump from a fringe playoff team to a, a fringe NBA Finals team is ridiculous. And it's crazy. From first-round exit to now being potentially the favorite in the NBA and encapsulating on 60 wins, this is, unre- this is remar- a remarkable jump as a team. But actually, at the same time, the Denver Nuggets had an amazing jump too, right? So you got to respect it on both sides. But I'm just going to take Budenhoser because of the system and the clear difference in the way they play. And their system definitely works well for them. Kudos to him. Kudos to that team. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs for any team that wants to beat them, especially the Raptors. But I just say go Raptors. Got to get the win. So thank you guys so much for listening. If If you follow my Instagram account at... Raptors community, please just stick with me, like it, DM me, tell me how much you love my podcast, how much you love my content, and when I put up polls, just be engaged and ask, and just say what you say, say what you want to say. If I ask you, what do you want me to talk about in my next podcast, tell me and I'll try and put it into my next episode. If I say, what do you want me to post next, this or this, or what kind of content you want me to post, put in your input. I like hearing it, I like being engaged with the community that we are, and I like I like doing what I do right now. I love it. So thank you so much for listening. Please rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll catch you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. Peace out.